everyone, and welcome to the Live Through Jesus podcast with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, we're going to be talking about strength and courage and why God doesn't make everything easier as soon as we become a Christian. This is Joshua 1, and I'll be reading from the ESV version. Quickly before we get started, if you're new to Live Through Jesus, make sure you go to livethroughjesus.com and sign up to receive your free five-week Bible study over Abraham. There you'll also find blog posts that coincide with the teachings on this podcast and social media links, which is another way to keep in touch throughout the week. Okay, let's get started. we may become disillusioned with God because we have the wrong perception of him. If we are expecting that as soon as we become a Christian and we begin following him and doing everything he asks us to do, then everything is just going to be easy. He's going to bless us. Everything is going to fall into place. We aren't going to have any problems. Then we're going to get upset with God. We're going to think, okay, you're powerful, you love me, what's going on here? And so today we're going to talk about what happened with Joshua whenever God called him to lead the Israelites. This will give us a better understanding as to what we should expect from God so we don't become frustrated and either think that he's not good or we're not good. So let's go ahead and just start reading. This is Joshua 1. I'm going to read just the first five verses. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. So after Moses died, God comes directly to Joshua and he says, okay, you've been Moses's assistant all this time. Moses is gone. Now it's time for you to take over. And I want you to take the people into the promised land. You're going to cross over the Jordan and take possession of the land that I promised to Abraham and every generation after. Your generation is going to inherit this land. Now, before we go on, I want to talk about who Joshua was. Moses has ruled Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now he's gone, and Joshua is going to be the focus of this conversation. And so Joshua was first seen right after they left Egypt as the military leader who defeated the Amalekites. So we know that he is a military warrior. That's the first thing. But after that, 
He's just talked about as Moses's assistant. He went on Mount Sinai with Moses. He went to the tent of meeting whenever God talked to Moses there. And he was one of the 12 spies that was sent into the land during the first generation. He was from the tribe of Ephraim and he was 30 years younger than Moses. Only he and Caleb, out of all the 12 spies, wanted to go into the land at that time. All the rest of them were afraid and didn't want to go in. Joshua and Caleb tried to convince the people, but they couldn't be convinced. And so at that time, God said, only Caleb and Joshua will enter the land from this first generation because they're the only two that trusted in me. Now, Joshua was born in Egypt and his parents named him Hosea. And that means desire for salvation, presumably because they were desiring to be saved from the slaveholders there in Egypt. But Moses renamed him Joshua, which means God saves because he no longer has to desire to be saved from the Egyptians. God did save them from the Egyptians. Now, Joshua in Hebrew actually is pronounced Jesus. And God told Mary and Joseph to name their son Jesus because he would save the people from their sins. So that's very interesting. Joshua is leading the saved people into the promised land, just like Jesus will lead us into the promised land. We'll talk about that a little bit more later on. And so this is around the year 1405 BC, around the year 1400. And Joshua is 90 years old and he is leading the people into the promised land. And only he and Caleb are there from the first generation. And God's already given the detailed boundaries to Moses of the land that he's that they're supposed to take. But he gives general boundaries to Joshua here. And so the land would stretch from the Mediterranean Sea on the west to the Euphrates River on the east and then north to Lebanon and south to the Nile in Egypt. So Joshua is called to lead the people into the promised land and God will make him successful. God's already given them the land and all Joshua has to do is just lead the people in to take it. That's it. And so then after God gives him the boundaries and tells him he's going to be with him, he gives him further encouragement. This is God's motivational speech, the commander of the army giving a motivational speech to Joshua before he leads the people into battle. And so this is verse six through nine. It says, be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? 
Don't be frightened and don't be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So I want you to notice that even though Joshua is a military warrior, God gives him no military strategy for success. His success will not be built on schemes and plans and military strength. They will be successful by relying on God. That is their strategy for success. And so three times God says, be strong and courageous. But this is not a physical strength. This is a spiritual, emotional strength that God is telling Joshua he needs to have. This is going to be a long war, and he will continuously have to be courageous to lead these people. They are not physically strong, and they're outnumbered. So the only way they win is by relying on God, God's strength. That's what they will rely on to win this battle. And so because Joshua is their leader, he needs to be strong in his mind and in his heart. And he needs to be courageous so that he can inspire that in his men. All Joshua had to do is obey God. That was his sole responsibility, just obey God. But in order to obey God, he needed to know God's words. And in order to know God's words, he needed to study them. And so God said, keep my words close to you. The words that Moses wrote, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, keep that close to you and don't deviate from the things that are written there. So Joshua had to read these words and really know them in order not to deviate from them at all. Then God said, meditate on these words. That is how they will take root. That's how you will understand them. That's how they will become a part of you and you will be able to follow them. So meditate on them every day and then follow them. Joshua is going to need not only knowledge, but wisdom to be a good leader. And God is telling him exactly how to get that. Read the word, know it, meditate on it, and act on it. That is how you will be wise. So after God gives Joshua all these instructions, Joshua turns to the people and begins to prepare them for battle. So I'm going to read the rest of the chapter, starting in verse 10. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. To the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and he will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in this land that Moses has given you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you may pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and you shall possess it. The land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan 
towards the sunrise. And so then the people responded, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we have obeyed Moses in all things, so we will also obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So first he tells all the people, go gather your things. Soon we will cross over the Jordan into the land that God has promised us. Then he turns to the two and a half tribes that have already been given land on the eastern side of the Jordan. Remember that they had fought the kings of Sihon and Og and conquered that land. And Reuben and Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh asked if they could live in that land instead of the land on the other side of the Jordan. This land was fertile. They had already built things for their livestock and all of that. And they wanted to stay there. And Moses had agreed to let them do that. But he said, you get to rest in your land until all of the Israelites get to rest in their land. And so you can have this land as your inheritance, but you don't get to take possession of it until the rest of the tribes get to take possession of their land. So your wives and your children and your livestock can stay here on the eastern side of the Jordan, but all of the men that are fighting age still need to cross over the Jordan and they need to fight with the rest of the tribes and conquer that land fully. And then when everybody gets to inherit their allotted piece of land, you will get to cross back over and take possession of your land here on the eastern side of the Jordan. And then notice how all of the people replied. They answered Joshua, all that you've commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we followed Moses, we will follow you. If anybody rebels against you, we will put them to death. We are serious about this. They were fully backing Joshua, right? They wanted Joshua to know, we accept you as our leader. We see that Moses has been grooming you for this role and God has anointed you as our leader and we will follow you. That's very important, right? Because Joshua knows that he's been called of God. But if the people don't accept it, then he's not only fighting against his enemies in the new land, but he'll be fighting against other people. And so they wanted to assure him that won't happen. If someone rises up against you, we'll put them to death. We're going to be behind you 100% because we trust God and we trust that God has put you in a position of leadership over us. And so we will follow you into this new land as you follow the Lord. That must have been such a huge relief to Joshua to know that the people were 100% behind him. And even they encouraged him. We accept you as our leader. Take courage and lead us. That must have been a great encouragement to Joshua. And so that is the text. Now I want to talk about what does this mean to us? What can we learn from God's encouragement to Joshua? 
So think back to the plagues in Egypt and the Exodus and the crossing of the Red Sea. God did all of that fighting for the people, right? God did all the plagues. He's the one that made the Egyptians so mad that they kicked them out of Egypt and the people got to walk away scot-free, right? No problems. The Egyptians were begging them to leave. They didn't have to fight at all. Now, they had a little difficulty in the beginning because God made Pharaoh mad, but all they had to do was just be patient, wait it out, and then the Egyptians gave up. God did all the fighting. But notice this time, that's not how it happens. This time, God requires the people to fight too. He says, I'm going to be with you. You're going to be successful, but you can't just be patient and let me do everything this time. This time, you will have to participate. This time, you have to prove your trust and faith in me by and so I wanted us to take note of this because sometimes God does ask us to fight. Sometimes he does all the fighting for us like he did the first time for the Egyptians. And we just have to be patient, trust him, do whatever he says, and let everything play out. And then we get to walk away victorious. And those are wonderful times. And God does that for us all the time. God is even fighting for us at times when we're completely unaware. But sometimes he requires us to fight. He doesn't do it all for us. He doesn't make it easy. He says, you will have to fight. And not only that, it's going to take courage. Did you realize how many times God told Joshua to be strong and courageous? Three out of the four verses, God told Joshua, be strong and courageous. And then he also said, don't be afraid or intimidated. And then he had the people also say, be strong and courageous. So four times, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. I'm going to be with you. So how motivating does that sound, actually? When you start to think about it, if someone is having to tell you that many times to be strong and courageous, maybe you don't want to do the thing, right? Maybe this is going to be hard. If you have to be strong and you need courage for this, then most likely you're facing something difficult and scary. If God is saying, don't be afraid, don't be intimidated, then most likely at some point you are going to be scared and intimidated and you're going to want to give up, right? And so if God's telling you this ahead of time, maybe you just don't want to do this at all. That's my first reaction. I'm listening to this and God's saying, okay, I'm going to be with you. You're going to be successful, but this is going to take courage. Oh, and and this is going to take courage. And by the way, this is going to take courage. So don't be scared or intimidated. Just be strong and courageous. I'm like, are you sure about this, God? This sounds scary and hard. And maybe instead of getting in the middle of it and wanting to give up and having to tell myself, no, no, be strong and, and courageous. Don't be afraid or intimidated, 
Maybe I just want to give up from the start. This, I think, is a natural reaction. But then you think about the fact that that is what the first generation of Israelites did. They gave up before they even started. They sent the 12 spies in and the spies said, yes, this land is good. It's exactly what God said it was. But there are giants in this place. We're outnumbered and their cities are fortified. We have no chance. And everybody was too scared to go in. And what happened to those people? Those people never found God's rest. They never found victory that God had promised to them. They never lived in the land of plenty. Instead, they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years waiting to die. They had no home to call their own. They had no food growing in this wilderness. And there was definitely no victory. God had promised them victory. God had promised them a land of abundance. God had promised them a permanent home. They turned it all away because they were scared. Ironically, them being afraid of the fight kept them from peace. Have you ever experienced that? You're so afraid of what could happen that there's no peace in you. You don't get to enjoy the victory that God has for you because you're too scared to go in and take it. And so, yeah, it would have been easy for Joshua to say, wait, if I have to have that much courage, I don't want to do it. But he had already seen that happen before. And he's already seen this land. Remember, Joshua and Caleb are the only ones that have seen this land. They've been in it and they know how wonderful it is. And God's telling them that he's going to be there with him and that he's going to make him successful. They will take the land. It's just that they have to fight for it. And Joshua's willing to do this. He doesn't want to make the same mistake that the first generation made. You know, they say that courage is not the absence of fear. Courage actually is just going ahead and doing the thing even though you're afraid. And that's why God is saying, more than telling him not to be afraid, he tells him to be courageous because he doesn't want him to be scared. But he says, when you are scared, do it anyway. Keep going. Remember that I'm with you. Remember that you will be successful if you just don't give up. And so, yes, this was an encouragement because he was trying to prepare Joshua beforehand. Only you can beat yourself. No one can stand against you as long as you just keep going. That's all you need. All you need is to follow me. Just be courageous enough to keep going, to do what I tell you to do and not stop. That's it. That's all you have to do. And so he says it over and over again, not because he wants to scare Joshua, not because he wants Joshua to think, oh my gosh, this is going to be so hard. No, because he wants to, him to know you can do this. You know, as a parent, sometimes we know that something will be difficult for our children and we could save them from it. We could do it for them or we can say, hey, you got this. You're going to be able to do it. Just just keep going. And that's what God's saying. He says, yes, it's going to be hard, but you can do it. 
just be courageous. And so, yeah, God might ask us to fight, but he's going to be with us. That is the encouragement. And we will never be ashamed if we place our faith in him, the one who has all of the power. God wins every single battle that he fights. And so, yeah, I wish I could tell you, commit your life to God, follow him, and then everything will be easy from there on out. It's just not true. Sorry. I wish that I could tell you that, just like you want to make everything easy for your child all the time, but you know that that isn't actually helpful to them. And so the comfort is not in God taking away our difficult circumstances. That is not the comfort. The comfort is, I will be with you. And the encouragement is, I'm the most powerful one that could ever be with you. I'm more powerful than all of your circumstances. I'm more powerful than anything you will come up against. And so be comforted in that and just keep going. All I'm asking, our lives may not always be easy. And I can't tell you what you're going to face on this side of heaven. I can't. God may call you to the battle. You may have to prove your faith with action. But I can tell you that you'll find victory. Eventually, you will find victory, either here on this earth or definitively in heaven. You may not be guaranteed success on this earth like Joshua was, but in the end, you will succeed because Jesus conquered death and rose to sit at the right hand of the Father. You also will conquer sin through him. And you will live forever with him in paradise. That is the inherited promised land for us today. Our comfort on this earth is that he's with us. And our comfort for eternity is that he will be with us forever. So I want to just read you a couple of verses that confirm this. Ephesians 1.11 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That means everything works out the way he wants it to because he's that powerful. And then skip verse 12, go down to 13. And it says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So just as Joshua and the Israelites were assured of this land, but they had to go in and take possession of it, we have to take Jesus as our savior. And then we receive the seal, the guarantee of the Holy Spirit until we inherit this forever promised land. This is Paul writing to the Ephesians, and says, so he says all of that, and then he says, and I remember you in my prayers, and then in verse 17, he says, this is what I pray for. He says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? 
And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come, he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over the things of the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so what he's saying is, is that I hope you know how wonderful this God is. I hope you have knowledge and understanding of him. I hope you have wisdom. I hope that you see the immeasurable greatness of his power towards those who believe that you will be able to trust in his power, in his strength, just as Joshua and the Israelites trusted in God's back then, and that you'll be able to keep going until you get this inherited land, until you get to sit with Jesus in the heavenly places. And then in Revelation 2, 7, it talks about this also, and it says, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And then Revelation 3, 20 and 21, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and I sat down with the father on his throne. So it's exactly what I said. God told us the same thing. He said, I'm offering you this promised land. Take it. And by accepting Jesus' sacrifice for us, then when he conquered death, he conquered our sin. And now we also are conquerors through him. And so he says, if you just persevere, if you just keep following me, then you will be a conqueror with me and you will sit with me on the throne as I conquered and sat with my father on his throne. So this is our comfort. This is our encouragement. Jesus, we have the Lord with us, the most powerful one. And he may not always remove all of our problems from us, but he will be with us and he will help us. And in the end, we will be victorious. We just have to follow him continuously. To win the battle, that's what Joshua was told to do, right? He wasn't given the military strategy. He was given the strategy that in order to be successful, you must follow the word of the Lord. And so we too have to know God's word well enough not to deviate from it. So we have to read it. We have to study it and we have to ingest it. We have to meditate on that word so that it will take root in us and become a part of us. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says to the people, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so what he's saying is take every word of God and ingest it. Make it a part of you. Let it take root in you. Whatever we take in our hearts, that is what will be reflected in our actions. And so we have to meditate on God's word and let it take root in us so that our actions will show what we know.
That's what wisdom is, right? Knowledge is knowing God's word. Wisdom is being able to apply it. The only way we gain that is by really letting it take root in us, by thinking about it all the time, learning more about it, understanding it better. Matthew 15, 17 to 20 says that it's not whatever you eat that defiles you. It's whatever you take into your heart. And then in Luke 6, 45, it says the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what comes out of us in our words and in our actions is what is within our heart. And so knowledge isn't enough. We have to read the Bible, yes, but we can't just read the Bible. We have to actually let it take root in us. Let it not only go into our head, but into our heart so that we can obey it. James 1, to 25 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and then he goes away. And at once he forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. Remember, that's, what's, that's what takes the courage. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, that is he who will be blessed in what he does. So we want to be that. Knowledge in itself isn't enough. We have to apply it to our lives. Our obedience is what proves our faith in him. That's why sometimes God fights for us and he says, all I need you to do is just sit back and trust me. Just do whatever small little things I tell you along the way. Just just be faithful to me and trust me and I'll do all the fighting. But sometimes God makes us do the hard thing so that we will prove our faith in him. Our obedience is proof of the fact that we believe what he says. We trust him to fight with us, then we need to participate. James 2, 14 all the way to 22 says, what does it profit, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith and he doesn't have works? That means if you say that you trust in God, but then you don't act like you trust God, can that faith save him? Well, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you just says to him, depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you don't give him the things that are needed for the body, then what does that profit him? Thus also faith by itself. If it doesn't have works, then it's dead. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. But I'll say, show me your faith without your works. And I'll show you my faith by my works. I will prove my faith by acting on it. You believe that there's a God? You do well. But even the demons believe and they tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see how faith was working together with his works? And that by his works, his faith was made perfect. That's why it took courage. 
Because to just say you believe in God, that doesn't take all that much courage. But to act on that, to do the hard thing, to do the thing that exposes your faith to the world who might be obstinate towards it, or to trust God whenever everything looks impossible, and to keep doing the things that he asks you to do, believing that it's going to happen even though you have no tangible evidence of it. These things are hard. This is proof of your trust in him. Those things take courage. Just asking Jesus to be your savior, that doesn't take courage. But making him your Lord, actually doing what he says, that takes courage. That takes strength. That takes perseverance. But if we do that, then we will inherit the promised land that Jesus died for us to have. We have to act on our faith. And then just to wrap it all up, part of participating with God is also participating with his people, participating with the people that he has put in leadership. If you see someone that is following God, join them. And if you know that God has anointed them as a leader, then support them, encourage them, let them know you're behind them, that you see that they are following God and you will follow them. That will give them courage to continue on, just as it gave Joshua courage, knowing that the people were behind him. And so we need to do that also. We need to follow God and we need to follow the people that are following him. Encourage them. Be encouraged ourselves. Let God comfort you, knowing that he is with you. Your life may not always be perfect and easy, but you have the best thing. Don't be discouraged thinking that everything is still hard and it shouldn't be because God should be fighting these battles for you. No, sometimes he asks us to participate. He wants us to prove our faith. But if we do that, we have courage, we keep going, then we will be in paradise with him. So hope that that gives you an understanding, a better understanding of God. And what your life should be like whenever you are a follower of Jesus. And it also comforts you and it does encourage you. You don't feel that discouragement by saying, oh, life's going to be hard. You know, I'm sitting here and you want me to say it's going to be easy. As soon as you follow God, it's going to be easy. And I'm doing the thing that God was doing. And I'm saying, no, it's going to be hard. And you're going to have to have a lot of courage. And I don't want you to be discouraged by that. I want you to see that that is a true encouragement. That is a true comfort because you have God, the most powerful one on your side and you will be victorious in the end. So I hope that that does encourage you. Next week, Joshua sends in a couple more spies before they go into the land so that they can get a little bit of an idea of what they're going to meet in the very first battles. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that episode. And if you want this written lesson, go to Substack. The link will be in the description. And it's also here on the screen if you're watching. And subscribe there and you will get the full study 
emailed to you every week. So it's the exact same thing that I'm teaching, but you'll get it in written form and you can either do this on your own and get further involved and look up more scripture and get more into it and highlight and all of those things that you might want to do to study. Or you can print it out and you can study with a group. So if you want to do that, that's also available to you. Just click on the link in the description. Also, go to livethroughjesus.com and read the blog post that's there. It talks just a little bit more about the comfort and encouragement that we have even in the hard times. So make sure you go there and then I'll see you back next week. Thanks and have a good day. Thank you.